from Hollidaysburg to Greensburg, Countersport to Carlisle, this is Lincoln Radio Journal. On this edition, the results are in, and Attorney General Josh Shapiro will be the next governor of Pennsylvania. But he will have to contend with a legislature that remains under at least partial Republican control. David Taylor and Stephen Bloom are here with a Capitol Watch look at the results. And Pennsylvania has enjoyed a hefty budget surplus, largely due to an inflow of federal dollars. But that was a one-time deal, and fiscal storm clouds now loom on the horizon. I'll have a town hall commentary. I'm Loman Henry, and welcome to Lincoln Radio Journal. We'll get to our Capitol Watch crew in just a couple of minutes, but first, news headlines from patownhall.com. Despite inflation and concerns over a possible economic recession, Pennsylvania tax collections remain healthy and better than a year ago. The Center Square reports that general fund collections were almost 10% above expectations for the month of October and are $861 million higher than projected for the fiscal year, which began on July 1st. Higher than expected sales, sales use, and personal income tax revenues account for the strong showing. When Attorney General Josh Shapiro takes office as Pennsylvania's next governor in January, he will earn one of the highest gubernatorial salaries in the nation. Pennsylvania pays its governor $201,729 per year, Only New York and California have higher compensation for their chief executives. If you're looking for a nice paycheck, don't become governor of Maine. That state compensates its governor only $70,000 per year. Gas prices have become a concern for motorists who got a bit of a dip in prices in September and early October. But prices are on the rise again with the average cost of a gallon of gas in Pennsylvania topping $4 per gallon. Tighter supply and fluctuating oil prices are to blame for the current uptick in prices. And getting that deer hunting license has gotten a bit easier. Governor Tom Wolf signed into law a change that will enable hunters to buy antlerless deer licenses wherever hunting licenses are sold, including over the Internet. Previously, doe tags had to be purchased at a county treasurer's office by mail or in person. The new law will go into effect for the 2023-24 hunting season. Read about all things Pennsylvania at patownhall.com. It was a good day, but not a sweep for Keystone State Democrats on Election Day. Attorney General Josh Sapiro and Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman won the marquee statewide races. But despite a gerrymandered redistricting map designed to bolster Democrat chances, The GOP will control at least one chamber in the legislature. Here with a Capitol Watch look at the results and to discuss their impact on public policy are David Taylor of the Pennsylvania Manufacturers Association and Stephen Bloom of the Commonwealth Foundation. David? And welcome once again to Capitol Watch, where we keep an eye on what's happening under the Capitol Dome in Harrisburg for you. I'm your host, David Taylor, President and CEO of the Pennsylvania Manufacturers Association. With me in the studio, my main man, Steve Bloom, Vice President of the Commonwealth Foundation. Steve, how are you doing? I am doing well, and I'm happy to be here. Outstanding. Well, we have an absolute empire of information that we have to comb through here to explain to the to the listeners 
what on earth happened in the in the in the election and I, I myself am not entirely sure so we'll work we'll work through this together to try to make sense of it but I think suffice it to say we did not get what we were expecting well there are a lot of moving parts and even on this very show some months ago we talked about the complexity of this year's elections in Pennsylvania replacing a retiring governor replacing a retiring US senator replacing all of our congressmen and women, our state house, our our, uh, state senate, Mm -hmm. just race after race with implications, and they all kind of tie together. And a lot of the results are, as we we talk today, some of these results are not entirely clear yet, but we we see, for the most part, where things are headed. Yes. So the expectation going into the election was uh, that because an overwhelming majority of Americans believe that the nation is on the wrong track, um, that the economic indicators are all moving in the wrong direction, uh, people are having difficulty paying their bills, filling their gas tank, paying for groceries, making it to the end of the month, that there would be a big revolt against the president and his party. And at this hour, that didn't exactly happen. Um, in the in the federal races that we are still waiting for the fullness of the results in the races for the U.S. House and that the um, the majority is going to be very narrow, uh, whether the Republicans take over or whether the Democrats manage to hang on by a vote or two and that many of the outstanding races to be determined are in New York and California, which both have uh, – excruciating processes for uh, uh, counting ballots. And so it may take weeks before we know um, who actually is is going to be the majority party in the U.S. House. And, and one of the things we got right when we were prognosticating about these races months ago was that the balance of power in the United States would hang in the balance of these races. Correct. And so uh, the election of our Congress people to, to the U.S. Congress and our U.S. Senator yeah. literally are determining who has yep. control of the the, the, the the main legislative institutions of our nation. And so when it comes to the U.S. House, uh, it had been – I'd heard it said by analysts multiple times that the – Republic, if the Republicans were going to retake the majority in the U.S. House, that they needed to win races in Pennsylvania, talking about the Lehigh Valley, talking about the far northeast, uh, the greater Scranton region district uh, the, and the, the 17th, the, the district uh, in Beaver and Allegheny counties. And those were the three prime Republican pickups. The Democrats retained all of them. And of course, looking at the U.S. Senate, it may be a f- 50 Republican, 49 Democrat situation with a runoff in Georgia. Right. December 6th is going to be the runoff election in Georgia. And once again, control of the U.S. Senate is going to hinge yes. on, a, on a runoff election in Georgia. But the key thing that for the Republicans was that they needed to hold the three open seats in Ohio, North Carolina and Pennsylvania. And I'm sure as the listeners already know that Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman, um, defeated uh, celebrity Dr. Mehmet Oz to, uh, to succeed our friend Pat Toomey in the U.S. Senate. And, and so that, that's, that's kind of a backbreaker right there. And that, that came as, I think, a surprise, uh, certainly to me and, and to many of the people watching these races, because there was, there was a, a large amount of polling activity in Pennsylvania over Correct. the last several months. Yes. And whether you believe the polls are precisely right or not, for the most part, professionally, scientifically conducted polling, if nothing else, it shows trends. Yes. 
And there was a clear trend in, in favor of Dr. Oz over Closing the last the several yeah. weeks. Yeah. Closing the gap. So it appeared that Dr. Oz was on track yeah. to, to beat John Fetterman and mm-hmm. end up being the new U.S. senator. Mm-hmm. But that the voters went out and voted and, and it did yeah. not jive with the polls. And the Dr. Oz lost by about like 125,000 votes. And certainly the, you know, the other you know, marquee race in Pennsylvania, the statewide race, was the race to succeed Tom Wolf as governor. And that uh, that Attorney General Josh Shapiro, Governor-elect Shapiro, won resoundingly that he defeated State Senator Doug Mastriano by 600,000 votes. I mean, this is the most crushing victory, I think, since Ed Rendell's reelection against the football player Lynn Swan. Shapiro mobilized a national fundraising network and, uh, you know, outspent Mastriano by, I think, $50 million. And so it's like the equivalent of running uncontested. And so as a result, you know, that Shapiro was a juggernaut and that that kind of shaped the environment for the whole rest of the election in Pennsylvania. And that that gubernatorial race is one that the pollsters clearly got right. We we saw in the polling and this was this was steady for months and months that that Attorney General Shapiro, now Governor-elect Shapiro, was far ahead in the polls. Yeah. And, and uh, Senator Mastriano was simply not getting traction with yeah. the, with a, enough people uh, to even challenge him, to really even challenge Shapiro in that race in any meaningful way. Yeah. And it's, and, and, and you know, again, it was a, it was a split Republican primary. Uh, Mastriano won it, uh, you know, rather convincingly with 44 percent of the vote, still not a majority, but a plurality. Um, I think part of that was, well, part of it was due to having been endorsed at the very last by former President Donald Trump. But also part of it was that because the Democrats believed correctly that Mastriano would be the weakest candidate against which to run, that the Democrats spent money to communicate with Republicans saying, oh, no, don't vote for him. He's like Trump. This would be a great victory for Trump if he won. And unfortunately, rank and file Republicans took the bait. And as a result, they they served up the the one candidate who couldn't fight back against uh, against uh, now Governor-elect Shapiro. When candidates don't run good campaigns, bad things happen yeah, to those candidates. Absolutely. And so you look at the map now, you look at the crushing victory by uh, Governor DeSantis in Florida and uh, and U.S. Senator Marco Rubio, that uh, it's clear that at least for the time being, that Florida is no longer a, a swing state, that Florida is a solidly Republican state, um, as is Texas, as we saw with the reelection of, of Governor Abbott and the other races that played out there. In the same way, California and New York, overwhelmingly a Democrat, as is Illinois. And so when you're talking here about Pennsylvania as one of those largest states in the country, Pennsylvania is the only state that is, as they say in politics, in play, which is why we're going to be the absolute center of the next presidential race. And um, so I, I, I regret to share with the listeners that for all of these terrible ads that you've been pounded with, the reprieve is likely to be brief um, because before you know it, that that next race will be underway. There's so much money being spent on these races. And in particular, the, the Pennsylvania U.S. Senate race was the most expensive in the nation that the, the, the folks who are putting their resources into these campaigns, they've got to spend that money somewhere. So, again, you will. You will see ads very early. And in some unconventional places, 
and this is going to be something Pennsylvanians have to learn to live with because we are the epicenter of these these critical races that are affecting the presidency, control of the U.S. Congress, and then, of course, the, the issues we face here in the state with our state legislative races. You're listening to Capital Watch. I'm your host, David Taylor from Pennsylvania Manufacturers. With me, Steve Bloom from Commonwealth Foundation. And this is actually kind of our pivot point to talk about the things that matter most to us. Um, Of course, what happens in Harrisburg? What happens with state public policy? And um, Steve, as as you mentioned earlier, one of the things that was going to make this year you know, very consequential was that uh, these are the first elections being run under the new maps that were adopted following the decennial census. And that um, and that because of the balance of power, the state Supreme Court being controlled by the Democrats, that the Democrats got the map that they wanted. So we went into this election um, with the state Senate being 28 Republicans, one independent who caucus with the Republicans and then 21 Democrats. Well, coming out of this election, it appears that there will be 28 Republicans, 22 Democrats, pretty much the same as it was before. But uh, the dam has really burst on the state house races, that the state that the state house of representatives was the one where the map was changed the most or at least was was crafted um, to advantage Democrat candidates. And, you know, as we sit here at this hour, it is not clear who is going to prevail. And the conventional wisdom was holding that for this cycle, for the mm-hmm. 2022 cycle, mm-hmm. more than likely the Republican majorities in the state Senate and the state House would hold. Mm-hmm. That certainly fall, that, that that pattern was followed over on the Senate side. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a, a solidly Republican state Senate, mm-hmm. which will be a counterweight to Governor Shapiro and whatever policies he's going to start proposing and advocating over the coming months. But over on the House side, where, again, I think the, the conventional wisdom's House will hold on to the majority, uh, but the next cycle, the 2024 cycle, may be tough. That's what we were thinking. Well, it turned out that that kind of seemed to get accelerated uh, because of the this election. And uh, now the balance hangs in the power. The balance of power is hanging in the balance of uh, several races that are hair thin. We're yeah. talking one or two votes separating the leaders. Yeah. And still a few outstanding ballots, some military ballots to count, some, some uh, provisional ballots to look at. And... These, these races and, and, and control of the Pennsylvania State House are going to be determined not by hundreds or thousands of votes, but, but by, by dozens or yes. even single digits yes. numbers of votes. And so at this at this hour, um, again, in the 203-seat uh, State House that you have to have 102 uh, to constitute a majority, and at this hour, as Steve and I are here talking to you, that the – Republicans appear to have 101, the Democrats have 100, and that there are two races, two seats that have been held by the Republicans where the margin is like fewer than two dozen votes. So there are going to be, you know, more, uh, as Steve said, uh, you know, military ballots and other like provisional ballots that will be examined. And so we just flat out don't know. But going into you know, as we, you know, as we, we shared before, because of 
people believing overwhelmingly that we're moving in the wrong direction, that their own personal uh, financial circumstances are are worse. People are under all kinds of stresses. They believe that we're on the wrong track, that historically that has blown back against the party that holds the White House. And certainly uh, President Biden's approval ratings are abysmal in the high 30s or, or low 40s at best. And so it really does come as a shock to conventional wisdom that the that the, that his party would play so well in this environment. And and it's you never know what the particular cause of of a certain electoral outcome is, and there are probably multiple causes, but uh, some that have been pointed out in terms of you know, why is the Pennsylvania why are the Pennsylvania House Republicans having such a challenging time holding under the majority in this cycle? Where, as you said, there's there's clear a distress and frustration by so many citizens about President Biden's policies and the impact, especially on family economics. But yet um, there are sections of voters or, or uh, classifications of voters mm-hmm. of, of who came out much stronger than expected in this race, right. in particular some of the younger voters. And motivated by issues that aren't typically bread and butter issues that that drive people in Pennsylvania to the polls. Yeah, and and so looking looking at the strategy of um, you know, for example, at the national level of having forgiveness of ten thousand dollars for young people who are holding uh, student loan debt. Um, that, you know, people like myself sort of scoffed at that. Like, well, that's a completely just naked political payoff. Like, that's a bribe. And but I guess that it worked um, in the same way. The the excitement over uh, legalizing recreational marijuana, that younger people are excited about that. Certainly the. um you know the tempest over the uh, uh, the Dobbs decision ending uh, the judicial supremacy uh, established in Roe versus Wade and sending the abortion issue back to the states. Um, that they you know that abortion advocates and the abortion industry mobilized to rally their supporters. And you know, Steve, I would I would say I think the Republicans did an exceptionally poor job of mobilizing. Any kind of of pro-life message. I mean, like we've known since at least 1987 and the Bork uh, uh, confirmation hearings that this fight was going to come someday and that this was the goal to work towards to return, um, you know, control over the law to the lawmakers in the respective states. The idea that there was no compelling argument to respond to what comes next to to talk about the quality of mercy and a more merciful America and what we need to do to care for, um, you know, expectant mothers and women who are in tough situations so that we as a society, as a government can like get them the help that they need to to bring those children into the world instead of killing them. And it's like nobody did that. Well, you talked about it already, Dave, in the context of the Mastriano Shapiro race. Senator Mastriano left so much undefended territory, undefended territory where uh, Governor-elect now Shapiro could move in and portray himself as a moderate, appealing to that, appealing to the middle, the, the, the not particularly conservative, the not particularly liberal voters that are out there in Pennsylvania in large numbers, those independent-minded voters. 
And so just as Senator Mastriano left that whole swath of, of independent voters undefended and easily uh, approached by, by now Governor-elect Shapiro, the same thing happened with Republicans statewide. There was a lack of preparation in terms of how do we win the, the messaging war that's so critical to any election cycle. Yeah, I mean, you have to know what you believe and why, and that every election is about the future. And, you know, the candidates and office holders need to be able to speak to the electorate and to say, here is what I intend to do to address the challenges that affect you, and here's how your life will be better if you vote for me and we adopt the agenda that I'm campaigning and, on. And why we talk about these legislative races and the U.S. congressional races, why they're so important is whichever party controls the majority in those chambers literally controls the agenda. They yes. decide which bills come up for vote. And so it's it's, it's it has an extremely serious impact on what is a political policy agenda look like. And the, now the, the Democrats, in the case of the Pennsylvania House, potentially mm-hmm. – uh, may have that that opportunity, but on the other side of the coin, on in the uh, U.S. Congress, now there is going to be some sort of a check and balance against President Biden's agenda with the likely majority of Republicans in the, in the U.S. Congress. <laughs> Maybe. Tune in next time to find out more. Um, again, like like we said at the outset, folks, this is not the report we were expecting to give you, but this is this is the way things are, at least as we can see them at this at this hour. So, um, as always, thanks for being with us, um, Steve. We're almost out of time. Where can people go to learn more about you and what you do? They can visit CommonwealthFoundation.org. Outstanding. And as ever, you can find me online at PAManufacturers.org. And from Steve and me. Thanks very much for listening. We will catch you next time on Capital Watch. And now, a town hall commentary from Loman Henry. Thank you, David. This past budget season, lawmakers and Governor Tom Wolf enjoyed the rare luxury of deciding how to spend a surplus of revenue generated largely because of a massive inflow of federal dollars intended to combat the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. Now storm clouds are on the horizon. In the immediate, mid-range, and long-term futures, fiscal and demographic trends are conspiring to create what will be painful spending and taxation decisions for budget makers. And those challenges will have to be met by a rookie crew. When the 2023-24 state budget process begins in January, Penswoods will have a new governor and new chairman will be at the helm of both the Senate and House Appropriations Committees. The historic high rate of inflation has prompted the Federal Reserve Open Market Committee to implement a series of significant target interest rate hikes designed to cool off an economy overheated by trillions in federal spending, financed through borrowing and the printing of money. The increase in the money supply has not been matched by a corresponding increase in productivity, the primary cause of the current inflationary spiral. Many economists fear the Fed may go too far in raising rates, thus triggering a recession, if in fact we're not already in one. Pennsylvania is not well positioned to weather a recession. Although the corporate net income tax, or CPI, was cut by 1% this budget year, the state still has one of the highest such taxes in the nation. The Tax Foundation ranks our business climate at 33rd, below the national average, and actually slipping one spot since last year. According to the Center Square, Moody's stress-tested every state 
for how well its finances could handle a recession and found that Pennsylvania would have a tax revenue shortfall of 11.3% or around $4.5 billion. Moody's noted, quote, Recessions in the business cycle are a fact of life. Therefore, preparing for recessions is an equally inescapable concept with potentially devastating consequences for those who treat it as an afterthought, end quote. It should be noted that Republican lawmakers successfully fought off efforts by Governor Tom Wolf and legislative Democrats to spend all the federal windfall this year, opting instead to bolster the rainy day fund. However, future fiscal traps remain. A report by the Commonwealth Foundation termed Pennsylvania a wayward welfare state and details how expansion of Medicaid eligibility and suspension of verification of eligibility have resulted in cost increases, along with people getting benefits who do not qualify for them. The report notes one-third of the Pennsylvania state budget goes toward Medicaid, and significant growth is expected, especially as the state's population continues to age and the working-age population shrinks. For many years, the unfunded liability of Pennsylvania's public pension funds has been a fiscal sword of Damocles hanging over state finances. The significant losses suffered by the equity markets this year have dramatically exacerbated the problem. Estimates have varied, but entering this year, the Public School Employees Retirement System, PSERS, and the State Employees Retirement System, SERS, were underfunded by approximately $44 billion. As a result of the current bear market, PSERS has seen a 6% drop in the value of its investments, or about $4.8 billion, and the SERS portfolio has lost $3.7 billion in value. Add to that the already existing funding gap, along with aging demographics increasing the number of annuitants, and the system may soon face a challenge meeting its obligations. Since both are defined benefits or contractually required pension plans, they have no choice but to meet those obligations. If and when a shortfall occurs, taxpayers will be obligated to make up the difference, dealing a potentially devastating blow to the state budget, as well as to homeowners who will face higher property taxes. Demographics are also working against us. A new report from the Independent Fiscal Office projects near-term population growth in Pennsylvania will remain flat and will decline slightly in the long term. The most worrisome aspect of the report is that the population of younger residents those from birth to 19, is likely to decline by nearly 1% per year. The working-age population is also expected to decline. Conversely, the number of retirees is projected to increase by almost 1% per year over the long term. The report concludes, quote, unless a dramatic change occurs, Pennsylvania political leaders will face population stagnation and decline that could limit economic growth, end quote. The window for making the necessary changes to the Commonwealth spending patterns, tax policies, and business climate is very short. As the 2023-24 session of the state legislature begins and a new governor takes office, bold and decisive action must be taken before it is too late to prevent a state fiscal disaster. With a town hall commentary, I'm Loman Henry. If you miss hearing Lincoln Radio Journal on your favorite radio station, audio of our complete program is available on our websites, lincolnradiojournal.com and lincolninstitute.org. 
For 27 years, Lincoln Radio Journal has been heard on public affairs-minded radio stations throughout the Commonwealth, including WMBSAM and FM in Uniontown, WRDV-FM in Warminster, along with WRRN-FM and WNAE-FM in Warren, Pennsylvania. The Lincoln Radio Journal is produced weekly by the Lincoln Institute of Public Opinion Research, Incorporated. The Lincoln Institute is completely funded through the generosity of individuals, corporations, and philanthropic foundations, including the Pennsylvania Manufacturers Association, the Allegheny Foundation of Pittsburgh, and the Houston Foundation of Coatesville, all of whom have helped to underwrite the costs of this program. Lincoln Radio Journal is a trademark of the Lincoln Institute of Public Opinion Research, Incorporated. Comments and opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Lincoln Institute or of this radio station. From the Lincoln Broadcast Center in Harrisburg, I'm Loman Henry. Thank you for listening to Pennsylvania's most widely broadcast public affairs radio program, Lincoln Radio Journal. Plug into the pulse of Pennsylvania.